Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. And arguably, did cleaning up the closet help any of the things I was stressed with? No. But why did it make me feel better? Because I could control how the closet looked. Hey, Michelle. Hi. <laughs> Happy day. Yeah. How's Happy Tuesday. <gasps> what? Today is our one year podcast anniversary. Happy podcast anniversary, friend. Confetti cannon shoot at you right shoot. now. Damn well, it. I don't know. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Cha cha. And we're celebrating tonight. Yeah. So tonight, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, March 30th, 2021, um, we are going live on Instagram. And I feel like, can we say? Yeah, totally. We have confirmed three past guests. Yeah. Who are they? Uh, there's Shay. Yes. Uh, who we interviewed about her um, SMA and yep. the medical trials that she was going through. And we have Natalie, who is our burn, burn survivor. survivor. And Bum, call, me call me Chris from TikTok. From TikTok. And we talked to her about um, mental health and social yeah. media and things like that. And they're all going to chat with us for a little bit tonight about kind of what they've been doing. Yeah. For how's the past life? Year. What's yeah. an update? So um, we're excited. So 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, be there. Yeah. And if it's not March 30th, 2021, uh, you missed it. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. And it was amazing. It was amazing. We can just already <laughs> look into the future. I cannot believe that we've been doing this for a year. I know. It's so crazy. Yeah. I know when I think about about all of our episodes, it's like I almost forget about like some of yeah. them because they were so long ago, right? Yeah. But we've had so many amazing stories and talked to so many incredible people yeah. and just been inspired. It's been, it's been cool. And it's been really cool to see it grow. Yeah. Like it took us a week to get our first hundred downloads. Mm -hmm. And now it takes us less than 24 hours to get double, more than double that. Yeah. It's amazing. And they I like just... us. They really <gasps> like us. <laughs> um, and We've been able to just meet so many incredible yeah. people. It's so amazing. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm old, but like the technology these days, <laughs> like we can talk to people all over the world mm -hmm. and yeah. And, and they have inspired other people and we've had people reach out to be, to interview and it's just incredible. Yeah. It's been really, really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, uh, big news alert on Tuesday. I'm getting my hair cut. 
All I was for like, the live. Oh, my God. Did you schedule that on purpose? Not really, but it worked out. Yeah, that does work out. <laughs> I'm excited. Man, I'm going to have to look good on Tuesday. I mean, you better not foreshadow me. <laughs> Overshadow me? Overshadow, not Whatever. foreshadow. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. But seriously, if this is your very first episode that you've ever listened to, thank you. Thank you. And please check out our past episodes. Mm-hmm. You, among, among other than being inspired, you will be in awe of the progression of our sound quality <laughs> and editing quality. Yes, definitely. So there's that. Yeah. And if you've been with us since the beginning, like flipping, thank you. You are the real MVPs yeah. of this podcast. Yeah. When we started it, I was like, I don't know. Is anybody going to listen? Like, yeah. Our moms. Like, most of the time, our families don't even listen. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> like, yeah, shocking. So you guys are now our new families. Uh, we have officially adopted you. Yeah, and it's we'll just see you at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> we doing Christmas cards? Yeah. Oh well, we did last year. Yeah, we true. Do it again. Yeah. So honestly, just thank you. It's been such a wild ride, and we are only just getting started. And we've got some incredible interviews mm-hmm. yet to come, like in the coming year. And I think we should say thank you from the bottom of our cold, dead, traumatized hearts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And because of all of you, they're a little less cold and dead and traumatized. It's true. That is true. I felt really validated in the feedback mm-hmm. that we get. And, you know, like people are buying our merch. People mm-hmm. are subscribing. People are sharing. Uh, if you haven't already, leave us a review because mm-hmm. that's one of the best ways that we can grow. Yeah. And, and share if you're listening, share on Instagram. And I mean, we're just we've just been so lucky to have the support and we love doing this and we want to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, and we're just so appreciative. Yeah, I'm excited. I hope this next year we continue to grow. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I want to, you know, just like build our community is really yeah. what it feels like yeah. and um, get more people listening, more people downloading. Yeah. And just continue to get incredible people on here to tell their stories. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about my week because I just feel so hashtag blessed. Well, I want you to talk about your week. How was I your mean, week? Yeah, nothing really happened, honestly. <laughs> I, nothing. Oh, okay. Well, fine then. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, ooh, I went on a seven kilometer walk. Yes, you did. I was supposed to go for a hike in the mountains. Um, if you're just tuning in, I'm doing a four day hike from Mount Shark to Mount Assiniboine. I really don't think that they're going to forget the whole poop debacle and Yeah, I have had some really nice people to... reach out about how to poop yeah. in the woods. Thank you. And I mean, I thought that you were going to a Cinnabon. A Cinnabon. I am not I was... getting Cinnabon. I might pack some. I think you should. But <laughs> some dehydrated so Cinnabon. You. Yeah. <laughs> Cinnabon, if you're listening, have I got an opportunity Just for wear you? Just a t-shirt. <laughs> but so I'm trying to be more like I need to get on it, get ready. Mm-hmm. So I got hiking shoes. And we were supposed to go to the mountains, but it snowed Mm -hmm. and then got really warm, which made everything icy and mucky and muddy. And so I was like, maybe instead of slipping and sliding across a mountain, we could go for like a urban walk. Uh So me and my friends, Keith and Rachel and my girlfriend, Lindsay, each brought some dogs and we went on a seven kilometer walk. That's awesome. Up a big hill too. Yeah. It was good. I felt really good about it. Oh, that's awesome. That's like, that's a half of one day's walking that I will end up doing. That's crazy. So I've got a ways to go. Yeah. But. I'm going to need proof of life after every day that you're I, on this hike. Like, you're going to have to look for the mountain and I'll send a smoke signal. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I don't think there's, there's 
Like, There's no Wi-Fi up there. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> and see, if you're going to a Cinnabon, you'd probably have Wi-Fi. Yeah, so this I think is you true. should rethink this whole thing. I think hashtag send Carling to Cinnabon. <laughs> um, but then today, which is Sunday, mm-hmm. it's weird because we were just talking about how it's Tuesday, but it's because you're listening to this on Tuesday. I mean, time is a construct and nothing makes sense. Yeah, so just true. Go with us. Uh, we, your kids met my girlfriend and her kids. Yeah. We went to a playground. Yeah, we did. And it was windy AF. Yeah, there's like a special wind advisory, but we did it and we it was sunny. It. And I, I was... just thought it was so funny because... Obviously, I have kids and Lin- Lindsay has kids, but like you were the one that was stressed out about the kids. Yeah, because I don't know kids. Kids are awkward. Yeah, but yeah. I had secondhand awkwardness yeah. in thinking about the kids just like meeting. Yeah, kids are just weird. Like, yeah, there's no handshaking. No. We were just like, these are the kids' names. I yeah. don't think anybody remembers anybody's names. No, probably not. And they all just started playing. But I was like, kids are weird. They're going to be weird. They're probably going to stare at each other for a while and not say anything. <laughs> and then they're all going to play. And that's what they did. So uh, Claire was sitting in one of those spinny things. Yeah. And Lindsay went over and was like, oh, Claire, do you want me to spin you? And she was like, how do you know my name? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well. Well, next time she should scream and yell. Stranger, stranger. stranger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how was your week? I think it was good. I was trying to remember. I was busy. I was I worked almost every day this past week, which was exhausting because I my day off we did a bunch of podcast stuff yeah. and um, had some appointments. Had a therapist appointment, which was really good, but also really difficult. Yeah. And um, yay therapy. Yo, yeah. I mean, it's great, but my therapist is like, I just really want to like. She really wants to bring me into my trauma, which yeah. I understand, and she wants to do it. In the office so that she can, like, help me yeah. go through it. And so I don't do it on my own, like, out yeah. in the world. Like in the I middle appreciate. of Costco. Yeah. <laughs> which I appreciate, but it's exhausting and it's a lot of work. And, um... Trauma mama. Uh, just, like, makes me feel feelings, which I don't like to do. Yeah, so we're not about that. And then I have to pay for it. It's really... <laughs> it's really not a great system. <laughs> uh, not great. But well, I'm it's, proud of uh, you. It's all right. Yeah, this week actually is a little bit less crazy with work i have three days off this week so um, and then next week the kids are in spring break they are they are so yeah which isn't great because i work four days that week so i gotta well, figure out i'll work from home um, and by home i mean your home yeah i mean your, my home is your home yeah true <laughs> um so anyway but today's episode for our one year we reached out to jamie mm-hmm. who was it's technically episode two, but she was our first episode where we interviewed somebody. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't heard that episode, I do think you should pause this, go back and listen. Yeah. Um, because uh, Jamie what is going to school to become a psychiatrist, yep. and part of that because it's a medical field is you have to do a residency in different aspects. So she was heading into working in a hospital mm-hmm. when um COVID started. When COVID started. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, hey girl, wanna talk about that? <laughs> and so it was so funny to reconnect with her because if we look back at that episode, she was like, you know, we're gonna have to stay inside for a month. But yeah. we all just thought it was Oh yeah. So short term. Like, hey, do you want to talk about this crazy pandemic that we're gonna have to yeah. do for and the next so, like, couple weeks? A year in and we yeah, yeah it, she had some really cool insights and it was really fun to reconnect with her. So Yeah, her episode before was called A Doctor and a Pandemic. So Yeah. Um it's just yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to look back and see how naive we all were. Yeah. So check it out and 
I don't know. I hope you enjoyed. Jamie, thank you so much for being on this. It was so fun. Yeah. We'll have to reconnect over some more stories that aren't pandemic related. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Okay. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Hello, Jamie. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? My God, it's been forever. Oh, my God. Like a year. And yet, here we are. Still. <laughs> We're still here. Yeah, We're I don't still here. It's it's still somehow COVID. Yeah, uh, for anybody yeah. who's just listening, uh, go back and listen to episode. Well, it's technically episode two, but you're our first like official episode. Right. Um, and we were like, man, what's this pandemic? What's <laughs> what do you think about this? And uh, yeah. here we are. And we're just being. Here I was then. talking about how people might have to stay inside for a month. <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> oh, to be young and naive. <laughs> <laughs> to be in the early pandemic and think that it was going to be a few months of this. <laughs> My God. And like, truly, wow. like, yeah, like. You were kind of right in the middle of it. So you were just, were you just starting a residency? Yeah, I was uh, just over halfway through my first year. So residency always starts July 1st. That's why it's the statistically most dangerous week to be admitted to hospital because all oh. residents are new. <laughs> um, <laughs> noted. Yeah, noted. Yeah. Um, but so all re- all new residents start like July 1st. And um, so we were in like March then. So, you know, I was about three quarters you know half halfway to three quarters of the way through my first year yeah how how has it been so we were talking are you still (laughs) yeah are you still going through with it you haven't like left and started just a quilting business or something (laughs) so while there have been many group chats about we could probably just have a bakery and be nice to people and talk to them there instead um no we we are all still uh my entire residency cohort is still intact at this point which we're all very happy about so we are we have not lost anyone yet at least out of my little group wow and how similar to gray's anatomy is it (laughs) (laughs) um did you guys ever see the old tv show scrubs yes yes yeah like it's much more similar to that oh i love that that's so um it's just a whole bunch of baffling things happening yeah uh, every so often we get a good like Grey's Anatomy storyline going <laughs> on a unit or something and we all really enjoy that and sort of sit back with the popcorn and are like all right we're gonna watch this unfold but yeah. typically it's it, it's not so much Grey's as it is so much Scrubs because I do That's imagine so there's got to be some drama I like you're just such a group of people that spend so much time together in such so a much. high stress I can see how yeah. that would happen yeah and like so absolutely there's you know, um, there can be in some, but certainly in like, it depends a lot on your residency culture. So there absolutely can be like drama that unfolds and crazy things that happen. Um, and so good program directors kind of recognize that and they do a lot around trying to build like cohesive teams and really good culture in their programs so that they kind of minimize that because that's, that is where you run into a lot of problems and you end up with like professionalism concerns and people on leave and people burning out and things like that. Um, And so I'm really fortunate in that uh, particularly my sort of close cohort cohort. So the same residents in the same program in the same year as me. Yeah. We're uh, we're a pretty tight knit group. And so we have sort of our survival, like 
group chats and Zoom meetings and things like that for the so uh, <laughs> here we are in the middle of somehow a pandemic and um, also trying to figure out how we do this thing. Yeah. Um, and so like, it's not uncommon where if you're on call and it's like two in the morning and you're having sort of an SOS moment, and you can't figure out how to do something, um, firing it into the group chat. And if anyone's awake, they'll usually try and help you out and answer. Oh, that's really nice. nice. That's really good. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember the things that we sort of talked about anticipating going into the pandemic because it would have been we were just like three weeks in to the pan, not even when when we interviewed you. Yeah. I guess how has the last year been? Did you see the numbers you thought you'd see? Did you see, you know, where was your, the hospital you work out of hit hard with hospitalizations due to COVID? Yeah, it's, it's very regional about whether places saw kind of, quote unquote, the numbers that we expected. And certainly at points, there were points where people were, you know, hospitals were very full. And there were times when hospitals were less full, which is important because that's when we do elective surgeries. Um, but in Ottawa, I think we were fortunate because it's like a large proportion of the population is employed either by the government or in tech or like jobs you mm. can feasibly do from home um our numbers look very different from say brampton which is sort of in the gta where like a majority of the jobs there are in things like manufacturing mm-hmm. and warehousing and stuff like that things yeah. you can't do from home and so their numbers would get absolutely like they would skyrocket at certain times um and so a lot of people were saying, well, why is Ottawa so different? Why why are they coping so much better? And why are their numbers so much lower than these people who are essentially a few hours down the street? And if you look at it, it makes sense. Because if you if the majority of your jobs are jobs you can't do from home, where everybody has to crowd into mm-hmm. a tiny space, then you're going to have more problems than a city where a vast majority of the population yeah. can just Yeah, I never thought about sense. that. About, yeah, having areas where more people are able to work from home versus areas where it's just not as that's not the industry. That's not yeah possible. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, in Calgary, you saw sort of the same thing where um, I think yeah. it was the Northeast that they were talking about um, where they had sort of these targeted communities where they were trying to do extra interventions because their rates of COVID were so much higher than some other areas in the city. Um, and, but if you look at the actual demographic makeup of those neighborhoods and where people work and the you know the housing structures that they live in um when you have sort of multi-generational families living in houses together and working public facing jobs that yeah. they can't yeah. stay home from that's not super surprising that when somebody gets sick mm-hmm. other people in the house get sick yeah kind of makes sense what has been what has been your biggest learning so. i maybe that's too big of a question i don't know but what have you learned most about the pandemic or COVID-19 do you think in the last year? I found oh, there's a lot of things that I found really interesting about it. And a lot of things that I've kind of learned. Um, some of the things are, have been uh, around the use of like virtual care yeah, in psychiatry. Yeah. And um, that's been really interesting because previously, if you had an outpatient appointment, you're coming into the hospital mm-hmm. and I'm seeing you face to face. Uh, and potentially, you know, if I'm concerned for your well-being, walking you down to the emergency room or something like that. Uh, whereas if you are on a screen in your house, my ability to do that is not zero, but it is more I guess so. Do so you, have you done a lot of digital sort of like high risk appointments? 
I haven't done a ton of digital high risk ones. Um, some of my, some of the staff certainly, um, also are mindful of the fact that if they know somebody is really, really high risk, then those person, those people were still seen in the hospital. There were people that, and there will always be people that need to be seen in person for their appointments and are not appropriate for digital, uh, appointments. I think the most interesting thing was that obviously here, at least, um, Doug Ford talked about like the iron ring around nursing homes, which meant nobody was going in and no one was coming out. Uh, And so I did six months in geriatric psychiatry at the time that we were telling all older people they couldn't go anywhere. It was an interesting study in the limitations of virtual care, because in some cases it was fine. It worked okay. We could do it. In other cases, particularly when I was working with patients who are in like long-term care, And so they often have dementia or something going on. It was very interesting trying to do digital assessments uh, with like iPads and things because they essentially, it it looks like a TV, right? And if you have cognitive processing difficulties, you don't necessarily totally understand that that person on that screen is talking to you versus just being a TV that is on and talking about something. That's so interesting to think about. Yeah. So it's been interesting. So in some ways it's been fantastic because especially Mm -hmm. for rural and remote communities, having the entire world suddenly look at each other and say, we need a good virtual care interface has been a fantastic like accelerator of growth in the ability to provide that care. And it's so important, but we've also learned a lot about where those limitations are and you know, how do we work around them? What do we do in the meantime? Um, that kind of stuff has been a really interesting kind of learning experience along the way. Huh, that's so interesting. Maybe this is not a humorous thing to say, but I am just picturing like an elderly person using an iPad. <laughs> it's yeah. Not, it's not easy. It's not easy at the best of times. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So our day hospital program uh, went digital. Some of it was taking the time, you know, there was a lot of staff time invested in contacting people who wanted to still be involved, who wanted to take part in these virtual things, uh, working as a team to figure out, you know, what platforms are secure, because in healthcare, you can't just use regular Zoom, you have to, uh, there is Zoom for healthcare, which is Mm -hmm. more secure. And there's some other platforms, but it was figuring out which platform is the hospital going to support? And how do we teach people to use it? And what's the best sort of way to encourage Mm -hmm. interactivity Uh, and so we had to do that in our day hospital programs we had to do that for appointments and for different patients but we also had to do that in as a program for our academics and our because we have one day a week of academic time where we are learning various topics and that went from all the residents gather in a room together and have these conversations and do these learning activities and like you know learn together as a group to all of a sudden we're Mm -hmm. all on zoom yeah Yeah. sitting at home did you find you had to adjust your approach to providing care going more digital because you know i imagine most of your training pre-pandemic was face-to-face and is there a difference in the care that you provide or how you approach it yes i think i have never been i've always preferred face-to-face interactions and i still do i still have a strong preference for it i am the person where if it was an option to attend class virtually or go to a room and attend a class, I would be the one going to the room because for me, physical spaces are really key in terms of transitioning my brain into the task that I'm doing. I am a person that needs those cues of physical space. And so trying to achieve similar things in an online environment was a big challenge. And I think so from personal 
slash professional standpoint, that was probably one of the bigger things for me was figuring out how do I kind of set this up in a way that it still feels like I'm getting that transition in space so I can sort of focus myself. In terms of overall changing practice, I think the other pieces, there's just information that uh, I think I had to learn how to ask people more questions about certain things that you could otherwise pick up from kind of non-verbals. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, whereas before it may have been a little bit intuitive when you see someone who's looking uncomfortable or anxious and you're seeing like their whole body fidget and you're like, oh, okay. But when all you can see is like shoulders up, um, you're, you're doing more checking around. You seem like you might be feeling anxious. Yeah. Is that correct? Tell me a little bit about what's going on. Uh, and so in some ways, actually, that's been really positive because, I think anything that encourages us to actually check what we're assuming more often yeah. is important. Uh, but it's been, it's been a bit of a shift where before you could feel sort of like, oh, okay, I kind of have a read on the room. And now you're like, eh, yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> I better yeah. ask about that read. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I guess it's really, now that I'm thinking about it, it's really interesting that you were doing geriatric psychiatry, you said? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. mean, I can't imagine how fearful elderly people would be be during this pandemic, right? Considering it was kind of going so quickly through um, long-term care homes. I don't know. Did you have, I mean, I'm sure you had patients who are fearful of, of the, the virus, right? Oh, absolutely. So I think one of the floods we've seen kind of in psychiatry slash mental health, and it has not stopped. It's actually only picked up mm-hmm. as the pandemic has continued. Um, there's a few things. One, there is, especially for some people, a level of anxiety and So for many older people, especially if they were in a place with an outbreak or in a place that had had an outbreak and lost people, that could be an issue. Um, But even, you know, younger people or people with other comorbidities who are not necessarily elderly or in long term care, but are looking at it saying, if I was to get this, it probably wouldn't go well for me. You see sort of a higher baseline level of anxiety there, uh, but also just a profound Mm -hmm. sense of loneliness. I would say a lot of the people I talk to now Um, that's one of the struggles that kind of universally, and I think even as healthcare providers, we express it to each other too, where it just, it Mm -hmm. feels lonely. Like this is the first year I had to miss Christmas with my family. I wasn't allowed to go home. Um, and so I haven't seen them since like last summer, early fall or something like that. Like it was, it's been, you know, the longest time I have not seen my family. Um, and it's still months before feasibly I can probably go. That's where I'm seeing a lot of the sort of increase in volume or the increase in stress points for people is this just profound, almost universal sense of loneliness. We're all trying to be in this together by staying apart, but man, does it suck to be apart. And I think there's like this general, there's like a fatigue that's coming you know, people kept talking about like, oh, COVID fatigue. And I was like, I don't know, I think I'm doing okay. But like, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, I'm just tired of being so careful. And I'm tired of sanitizing my hands. And I'm tired of wearing a mask. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. But like, it's just this, it's a fatigue. Very much so. And absolutely. I mean, I'm feeling that and I know many of my colleagues feel that. And certainly the people that I talk to regularly feel that too, where it's, you know, it's this sort of sense of there's the loneliness, there's frustration, there's, you know, I just want it to be over. There's um, difficulties with, you know, in some cases, the yeah. mixed messaging at the beginning of wear masks, don't wear masks, sanitize your hands, <laughs> don't sanitize your hands, groups of five, groups yeah. of 10, groups of none, groups of, and so 
when you have these moving targets, which are a natural thing, it makes sense to me that those targets are moving because we're learning. But that's really hard, especially if you're not in medicine and understanding the process Mm -hmm. of how we learn these things. Uh, It's hard to constantly adjust to, well, this week I can do this, but then next week I can't do this. And why can't I see my family, but I can go to the mall. That doesn't really make sense. And so I understand when people come in saying, you know, talking about this sort of frustration or this almost burnout they feel of, I've done everything I can do to try and help everybody. And I'm just out I'm out of resources, like I'm yeah. out of capacity yeah, to give. I think probably a lot of healthcare workers are feeling like they have to defend the guidelines or things like that, right? And and like you said, you understand that the guidelines have changed because you guys are continuing to learn what the virus does and who it affects and, and how it affects and things like that. But there, as the public, it's like, well... This last week you said this, and now this week you're saying that. Like, why do why do you guys keep changing? You have no idea what you're doing, and that would be so frustrating to be in a medical field and and hear that constantly. Yeah, and I think you know, in this case, the nice part about being in psychiatry and and the kind of conversations that I get to have in terms of the you know in the line of my work versus what some of my colleagues and other disciplines have to have is that I actually get to just validate those feelings and say, yeah, Yeah, that's frustrating. It's hard when you don't know from week to week or day to day, what is expected or what is allowed. It's hard when you don't know if you can, you know, book this, you know, family dinner at a restaurant a month from now to celebrate somebody's graduation. It's hard when you have a grandchild born last April, you haven't met yet. And you may not meet for another month another year and so I I think the kind of the the nice part for me and I don't say it's nice as in like it's actually nice but just sort of the thing that makes it I think easier or it's not even easier but Mm -hmm. more rewarding for me is the fact that I get to actually acknowledge those feelings and I don't have I don't you know say whether or not the guidelines are right or wrong I follow the guidelines I you know believe in my colleagues in public health who have trained for years on the best management of these things. And as they learn, we learn with them. And so I'm not going to, you know, go into their sandbox and tell them how to build the castle. They know what they're doing. Being able to acknowledge those feelings, being able to be that person who just says, yeah, this is hard. And it's okay to be a little bit more patient with yourself. This is, you know, that weariness feeling that you were describing, Carling, of just being exhausted. There are elements of that where if that is a collective trauma response. You will see that whenever people have had a prolonged collective trauma, because it starts with the adrenaline of we're all going to get through this together. And so you saw it at the beginning, people are mobilizing. Some people are ridiculous and buying 40,000 <laughs> of toilet paper. But you also saw people saying, well, okay, we're going to do this big thing for the food bank, or we're going to um, you know, figure out how to collect all these masks from all of these esthetician places and bring them to the hospital because they're out. And we're going to figure out how to, you know, have car parades yeah. to celebrate kids' birthdays because we yeah. have regular birthdays. And so everyone will have fun parade COVID birthdays. Uh, and so you saw this kind of, you, you know, bringing together of people. And it, it's that moment in Finding Nemo yes. where all the fish swim down, where we were all swimming down together. And it was, it felt really good. And everyone's like, yeah. And then, you know, that starts to lose steam and people are kind of going, well, okay, I just have to hang on until yeah. this next piece. And okay, wait two. 
I just have to get to the end of wave two and then another wave comes and, a, and people are getting tired and they're looking around going, yeah. do these waves yeah. ever stop? And I think that that's where a lot of people are finding themselves now, all of us really. And so that weariness and that feeling that you just aren't quite yourself, I think is really common. And I think the big thing is being patient with yourself and extending yourself, you know, permission to say, okay, I'm, you know, not a hundred percent. I'm coming in at an 80. Uh, and I'm just going to embrace that as the idea of COVID fine. And I will look for every opportunity to get back to a hundred, but if I don't, I'm going to be patient while I'm at 80. That's really nice. No, that's really good. And I, just when it comes to the mental health aspect, and I don't know, I don't know if you can speak to like it, it as a whole, but like, what are you seeing in terms of how this has affected people? And, it, and it, is that what it mostly is, like the fatigue and the unknown and things like that, how it's affecting people, um, people's mental health? I think the biggest one is the loneliness and the isolation, mm-hmm. because that those two things make literally 100% of mental health problems are made worse yeah. by loneliness and isolation yeah. and feeling like there's nobody there or that you can't call anyone or that you can't reach yeah. out um, because it's not safe to mm-hmm. do so. And, you know, also keep in mind a bunch of the services that often provide big supports are still closed or operating in a new way. And so that's been a big piece. The transition to virtual care for some people has been fantastic and they prefer it and they go, man, you know, I'm so happy that I can meet virtually. And sometimes it gives you a chance to like see your client's Mm -hmm. house where they'll sort of show you things that are important to them. And I never would have seen, you know, somebody's amazing artwork. Because they're not going to haul it all into the office with them. And so those sorts of things have been great. But there are other people, um, and, you know, I I kind of put myself in this group if I was choosing my own therapy, where I I just don't find, I like it as much. I prefer to go to a physical Mm -hmm. space. And there are lots of people who are similar. And so you've got this sort of combination of I'm lonely and the virtual connection doesn't feel the same because it's not the same. And these you know, agencies that I used to look for support from some of these programs aren't running or they're running in a different way, often virtually. Um, I think it's created a bit of a perfect storm of difficulties for some people. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I I know with my own mental health journey and, and, um, even with my kids seeing, seeing, uh, professionals, it is hard to have them kind of engage fully, you know, when it comes to the virtual way, especially with kids, you know, because they do a lot of it through play. I've done a few sessions over Zoom myself. Most of them have been in person, thankfully, but it is, you know, it is difficult. And I mean, from a hospital perspective too, a lot of hospitals still have big time restrictions on visitors. And so, especially for people who are there for a prolonged period of time, that's really, really hard to deal with. And so I think that's where we've seen, or at least where I've seen a lot of added stress. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when people are coming in, they're coming in with this kind of extra thing that they're bringing with them. That's sort of the COVID piece that I'm seeing most often is for some, it's definitely the anxiety, but for many, it's just, I, you know, I want to do the right thing. I want to, you know, be pro-social. I want to follow the guidelines. I want to make sure that people don't die. Mm -hmm. Uh, unnecessarily but I really miss my friends or I really miss my family and you know I I don't want to put them at risk and so of course I'm not going to but it's really hard to make that choice every day yeah I'm curious about your thoughts on anti-maskers I'm sure she I'm sure she loves them honestly (laughs) 
I just think it's interesting <laughs> from psychiatry background and understanding, I don't know, understanding personalities and things like that. I just, I think it's fascinating to watch these, this group of people and like, I have no background in this. So I'm just curious to see what you think. Yeah, I think it's, um, anti-maskers are really interesting to me because there's, I think if you talk to many of them and you really take time to just non-judgmentally explore why they don't want to wear one, uh, you'll get different answers. Yeah. And so that's what's really fascinating to me is that even though, you, you know, you, you they kind of get all polarized together and lumped into this one sort of group of just, you know, these people are antisocial and they don't care about people or whatever on the internet. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think if you actually sit down and talk to some people, um, you'll see, you know, reasons behind it are hugely varied. Uh, but it can be from, you know, people who are skeptical of medicine or skeptical of physicians. And that skepticism is not entirely unearned. Like, we have had big ethical problems happen in medicine over the years. Yeah, I don't blame people when we say, do this thing uh, and it's a thing that they are uncomfortable with or it's a thing they don't want to do or it's a thing where they they see some harm in it i don't necessarily blame people for stopping and saying but like hang on why should i do that right. there have been there have been instances in the past where people have been told oh this is totally safe and mm -hmm. it was not Ooh, like or, that um uh, what was that morning sickness drug yeah and it caused deformity yeah thalidomide yeah, thalidomide, yeah. yeah. So, uh, or more recently, like Oxycontin marketed as a 12 hour narcotic, there's, you can find great articles, uh, and people have done a great job of writing that up of sort of a big scandal that actually changed the way the pharmaceutical industry is allowed to market and is allowed to approach doctors and things like that, because it was just so, uh, like damaging overall. Um, and so, I think, you know, that skepticism is not entirely unearned, especially, you know, we have news articles coming out of this, you know, this vaccine does this, yeah. and then it's got this efficacy rate, but then this study says this efficacy rate, and then this study says, well, no, it's like this, and then, oh, but it should be 21 days, and then no, it can be 28 days, and then no, it, it's actually better for four months. Um, and again, when you're part of the medicine world, you can look at that and say, well, this is just an effective learning. Yeah. You know, you do a clinical trial based on what you think is a reasonable dose kind of interval or uh, and you do the studies to follow up with these people and see how they do. And if your goal is to get that medicine to market as fast as possible, which is the case with vaccines, there was a huge push of, you know, we we want to make sure that these vaccines are safe, but we also want them available. And so if a 21 day interval is safe, we don't really want to wait another year of drug trials to prove that a 35 day interval uh, is you know, better as long as 21 is adequate. Yeah. Right. And so um, there was, you know, there's some of that. And so as data now comes out, because we've got more people getting these vaccines, we're able to look at how they're um, faring over the longer term. We can do the modeling. We can, we can engage all of the people that can look at the data and tell us, okay, this interval actually looks very reasonable and would allow us to vaccinate more people earlier. We can say, okay, that, that makes sense. We'll go with that. But for somebody who's not sort of in the medical world, watching, you know, 
four different articles come out over three days that all have different numbers in them Mm -hmm. without knowing the nuances of, well, actually they were looking at this little thing in this study and this little thing in another study. I get where that skepticism comes from because it's not, it doesn't feel like a consistent message. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm just too trusting because in my (laughs) mind, I'm like, guys, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to read the study and understand it the way that somebody with a medical background. Yeah, maybe it's like like ignorance. For me, I don't think like, I know a lot of people are saying like, well, you know, the vaccines, they came out so fast. And it's like, you know, it's because the money is being put towards the vaccine to come out this fast. You know, I I don't know. It's just I think that you can find a side to whatever you want to find. Right. Like it's the power of collective attention. Um, mRNA vaccines have been under development for years. This is not new technology. It's not some brand new technology that's never never seen the light of day and came out since like people have been working on mRNA vaccines for a long time. This is the first one we've brought to market because there was suddenly this huge collective worldwide push of we need to fix this problem. And this kind of vaccine actually likely has one of the better chances of being successful in doing so just because of how it works and the way we can build it and the ability to build it quickly if this thing that if this thing mutates or changes and so you know it's the power of collective attention when you have everybody in the world who is involved in this suddenly turn all of their attention towards one particular virus that they're going to go after yeah exponentially gets more efficient and uh money was no object if you want if you needed money it was there and so yeah it's um they did come out but it's not that it's new technology that no one had ever you know thought about before it's this is something that's been in development forever and it was this big push in the pandemic that allowed it to you know come to market the way it did and i just have i guess i have a tendency to trust people who have you know who are in the medical field and i know not all of them it's the same reason i don't homeschool my kids like i I didn't go to school to be a teacher right like i'm gonna leave that to the professionals and i guess the part that bothers me is that these other people who are either anti-maskers or, or ex, anti-vax, anti-vaxxers or whatever, kind of look at us as, sheep. well, you're sheep and you're just following, you know, that's what bothers me. Cause I'm like, we're not in, you know, idiots, right? Like, and I'm yeah. not saying they are, but it's like, I don't know. I, I, I just trust someone who has gone into the medical field, who has practiced, who has the knowledge that I don't have. Yeah. And I mean, I think the other places that it can come from is that, you know, people are tired and they're frustrated. And sometimes for some people that comes out as um, I'm just done and I'm not doing this thing anymore. And so there can be elements of that in addition to the skepticism. You know, we don't have perfect answers. So what we're doing in terms of the pandemic, nobody in the world is saying that this is the perfect answer or this is, quote unquote, the exact right course it's the most correct one that we have kind of come up with at this point that is semi-feasible but arguably like no one is going to go out on a limb and say no we've cracked the code and this is the perfect management right and so when when we're looking at people who you know don't want to wear masks or are refusing to wear masks um I think there's an element of that. And I think it's, there's that feeling of powerlessness that comes with a pandemic. And so that, you know, leads to some of that exhaustion of this whole thing is out of my control and stores are being closed and my life is turned upside down. And suddenly my kids are home for like four months and I don't know what to do with them. Um, 
there's a lot of powerlessness that goes in that. And so what people often try to do when they're stuck with uh, in a powerless situation and feeling really uncomfortable about it is you look for the areas where you can assert your control. That's why when life gets really stressful, people get really, really into like organizing their closet. <laughs> even though arguably Michelle. Like, not fixing the problem. Because <laughs> yeah. um, like arguably I do the same thing. So I mean, I, I'm, I'm literally throwing stones from inside my glass yeah. house. But yeah, like I'll have all of this, you know, crazy stuff happening in my life from like my car has exploded and the cat's sick and like all of these things are going on and I'm super stressed out. And then I'm just like, no, I'm just going to go. And I like clean out the closet yep. for two hours. Yeah, 100%. Um, and arguably, did cleaning out the closet help any of the things I was stressed with? No. But why did it make me feel better? Because I could control how the closet Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, my gosh. That's me to a T. Like, I'd be like, oh, everything's falling apart around me. But I really do need to clean out all my drawers and fold all my clothes. Like, or, so you know, something that is just so not what I should be doing at that moment. But it's, that's what I, that's yeah. what I need to do. <laughs> There can be elements of that when you look at people who are um, not wanting to wear masks or not wanting to get vaccines, et cetera. It can be a, in an out of control world. I get to control what goes into my body. I get to go control what goes on yeah. my body. And so it can be an assertion of sort of that looking for that sense of I get to choose something uh -huh. here because there's very little else that I get to decide. Yeah. And as humans, like I'll tell you, we've done lots of studies on this too. We are terrible at appraising risk. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, we are, we are really awful at it. That's so why like you need a t-shirt that says meth, not even once. <laughs> yeah. So like, um, yeah, we, we're really, really bad at sort of estimating risk in day-to-day -day tasks versus like unusual mm -hmm. tasks. So if you look at flying, a lot of people feel nervous about flying, right? And they go, ooh, you know, bad things can happen. And if the plane goes down, everybody on the plane is like, not likely to survive. And that would be really terrible. And it's true, that is terrible. Um, but your drive to the airport is statistically much more dangerous for you than the airplane ride. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. That's the other piece is that the, the, imp the impression of risk or the perspective, like the, the sort of overall interpretation of risk uh, can be vastly different from person to person, even with the same data, because as humans, this is a human thing. This is not an individual thing. As humans, we're not great at that skill of estimating things like that. Yeah. Wow. And so have you been vaccinated? I have. Ooh, like both uh, doses? So, yeah. So um, this was because I was on geriatric psychiatry and working with people who were in long-term care, I was vaccinated with my first dose on January 2nd. Wow. Um, so I, did, I have had both doses. I had the Pfizer vaccine, if anybody oh, cares. Yeah. And what's it like being able to connect with Bill Gates just with the touch of a button? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, sadly, my cell phone reception didn't get better. And I was a little bit nervous about that. How many links um, have you lost? Any, yeah. any so far? I, I still have all four of my limbs. Um, in terms of side effects... Uh, very minimal, actually. So people have asked about side effects. And so I tell them, um, I had a little bit of arm pain yeah. after mm -hmm. the first one. And then the second one, I was worried because usually people were saying, oh, the second one, you get worse side effects. Uh, and mine uh, had to get moved because of the supply disruption. So they had to move mine oh. a little bit, which meant I had to get it and then do a 26 hour <gasps> call shift, which oh, I was like, not oh, thrilled no. about. <laughs> It's like this doesn't I'm like this this is a bad yeah. time. Yeah, not uh, great. But I, 
I just sort of sucked it up and was like, it's just going to be a bad mm-hmm. time. Uh, but it actually wasn't. I had, you know, the same sort of arm pain, but I didn't, you know, I didn't really notice that it was that big of a deal. Um, and so I had very minimal side okay. effects. Um, a few people I know got, you know, a little bit of fatigue sort of the day, that day or the next day, but um, overall, it's been one that most people have tolerated oh, pretty good. well. My parents just got theirs actually the uh, this past Sunday, and I was teasing my dad because he asked me a question. I was like, "Why don't you just ask Google? Like, just, just <laughs> tap your ask, arm to ask your arm." <laughs> He's just like annoyed by it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my it parents the... are a little skeptical of it all too. So I, I'm, I mean, I'm glad they got their vaccines, yeah. but yeah, it's just funny. Do you, I know, well, we, nobody can predict the end of this pandemic, but like a year. According to Jamie, it should have uh, ended last year in April. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I know. I'm not. I was going to say, you are talking to the person who was like, oh, I said we were going to have to stay inside for a month. track record yet. (laughs) Yeah. But. There's a reason I'm a psychiatrist. (laughs) But do you sort of like see an end in sight? Like, do you think that it's more like more people need to be vaccinated? So do more people? Yes, more people need to be vaccinated. 100%. We uh, people who can be vaccinated should be vaccinated. But that's true of all vaccines, really. And so I think that's important of, you know, encouraging people who are able to get the vaccine to get the vaccine, uh, because it does prevent severe disease. And so that's the big thing is to keep hospital like the big worry around COVID is the um, potential for hospitals to become overwhelmed if lots of people get very very sick I think we talked about this back in episode two (laughs) because we can afford to have people get sick and we can we can care for them if they do but we can't have them all get sick right Uh, and so if the entire world gets COVID but because of the vaccine, nobody gets more than a mild to moderate cold. Yes. No one cares. Like yeah. It's fine. yeah. Then the whole world can have cold. Like that would be fine because we have lots of colds that we allow to exist for that right. reason, mm-hmm. as long as they're not severe disease. And so vaccines are going to do provide a benefit in terms of that. Do I think we're ever going to get totally back to normal or back to our old normal? I'm skeptical. I think we'll have a new normal. I think we've learned some things in this pandemic that have been helpful. Yeah. You know, the the utility of universal masking during cold and flu season. I mean, I, for one, am actually like I haven't really gotten sick yeah. in a really long time. Yeah. Pretty pumped about yeah. that. For someone who works in a hospital covered by, covered in germs, I was like, this yeah. is great. A lot of parents <laughs> have said that, too. Like normally they'll have a nasty cold or flu run through their house yeah. and like people just aren't getting it. Yeah. And so, you know, do I think we're all going to be wearing masks everywhere all the time? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Like that, that will fade with time. Do I think that it may become more common for people to choose to wear a mask on a plane mm-hmm. or for hospital staff to wear masks, especially during certain times of the year or on certain units that are higher risk? I think that's going to become more common. And, it, you know, I have nothing to base that on other than just sort of my thoughts yeah. on it. But uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it did. Uh, I think that in some cases, it's going to lead us to sort of think about the way that we work. Uh, there are a lot of jobs that we've discovered can be done really effect- effectively from home. And from the federal government perspective, I know that it's actually changed the way they hire. So if you go to look for like a federal government job now, it used to be that you'd have to live in Ottawa. And now a lot of yeah. them, they'll have sort of a, a spiel on them saying we've learned a lot in the pandemic. And one of those things is that this job can be done very effectively in, on a virtual mm-hmm. basis. And so as long as you're available from this hour to this hour, like your work day, we don't care where in Canada yeah. you live. So 
it's opened, you know, people in Alberta or BC or the Yukon into being able to hold federal jobs uh, that they otherwise would not have been able to hold. And so I think that, you know, we will find some things that are yeah. positive uh, and there will be some things that stick around for that reason. But uh, hopefully we can all go back to having samples at Costco. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, if not, we gotta we gotta walk the streets. Walk the streets. <laughs> Take it to the streets. <laughs> I was gonna say um, that's a different podcast. That's a bit extreme. Okay? Yeah, we're gonna take it to the streets. Yeah. I think there's going to be some new social norms that mm. I think will be good, and I hope that's in employers' understanding of sick time uh-huh. and having that social norm of wearing a mask if you're not feeling well. Yeah. And because I don't know how many times teacher interviews over Zoom is what I will petition. Yes. For. Yes. I can appreciate that. That's probably better. Yeah. And I think, too, like less overcrowding in spaces. Yes. You know, like, why do we need to? I remember being at a concert and somebody <laughs> somebody sneezed in my mouth <laughs> because oh, I had a cold. <laughs> I had a cold, so I was mouth breathing because I couldn't (laughs) breathe through my nose. And we were walking through the Saddle Dome, which is a giant concert center, and somebody turned and sneezed and it got in my mouth. Oh, no. (laughs) So then he had two colds. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking when I was at work yesterday, I was concentrating on something. And then I became very aware of what my mouth was doing. (laughs) And I'm like, my mouth is literally hanging open. But you had a mask on. I did, but I'm like... If we stop wearing masks, I'm going to need to retrain my mouth. Because <laughs> now I just have, I'm just like gaping open yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I think there will be, there will be things that stick around. There will be things that don't. I mean, largely it's going to depend on vaccinating the public mm. and getting people to the point where we don't have serious COVID disease. Yeah. And so you may still see infection rates that are you know, in keeping with what they are. But as long as people aren't getting really sick and needing hospital, those are less concerning in some ways. Even just based on the timelines for vaccinating in Canada, you're probably looking at the remain. I would say probably the remainder of 2021 is still going to look pretty weird, but you're going to start to see, I think, some more relaxing of things and some more sort of return to some of the things we used to do as 2021 continues and we get sort of more of the population protected against serious disease. And I will say like in Ottawa, I had no idea, but apparently we have laws about when your patio is allowed to be open. Oh, I had no idea this was a thing. I didn't realize that patios had like laws about when they could be open. Like it's a restaurant patio. I just figured no one wanted to eat at minus 30. Yeah. I just figured no one wanted to eat at minus 30. So like, (laughs) I figured that patios just naturally closed when the weather was This is what I thought. Me too. But apparently, at least in Ottawa, um, there have been lots of news articles about it around. They had, you know, there's legislation about when they're allowed to open. Um, and they've relaxed some of that yeah. in light of the pandemic because people can't have more than, you know, X number of people inside mm-hmm. their restaurant. And so they've relaxed the patio laws and let patios open early, which this year the weather's nice. So that's yeah. great. But I, I think that, you know, maybe things like that we could look at yeah. and say, well, we relaxed the patio laws and people opened their patios in March and nobody froze to death on the patio. <laughs> Nothing bad happened to the person sitting on the patio in yeah. March. They all just had their chicken wings and maybe the chicken wings didn't stay as warm as they would have liked them, but otherwise it yeah. survived. Maybe we could just open patios in March if that's a thing that the restaurant feels would be helpful yeah. to them. 
and then people can sit outside and enjoy the fresh air and that seems like a nice yeah. thing. Yeah. And then so, the, the restaurants can get, you know, their business and things like that, right? Yeah. And I think like things like that um, going forward, those are the sorts of things where I hope that we hang on to them. And so also the push towards support, lo- support your small yes. business, right? Um, and the awareness of supporting small business and the awareness of supporting those businesses that make your community yeah. what it is. I hope those stick yeah. around um, because I think that's been a positive piece is the focus on how difficult it is to be a small business owner. Yeah. The push towards supporting food banks and uh, paying attention to things like homelessness has come into light in COVID because we're like, Oh wait, if the homeless shelter has had an outbreak of COVID, what do we do with all the people that need to stay there? Yeah. Uh, Like where do they go? Um, Or food banks and things like that. I mean, being able to have, the public's attention on those has been helpful. And I hope that that does continue after the pandemic and we don't just forget that this happened, but that we actually look at, you know, so how do we, how do we protect people from pe- the next pandemic? We make sure they have a house. Yeah. To yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like that seems pretty straightforward, but it's something where for years we've known that it's cheaper to have people in houses than it is to have them uh, yep. in shelters. Um, by like many, many, many tens of thousands of dollars, but we, we haven't done it. And this is, I'm hoping one of the things that's going to push us towards actually looking at affordable housing and stuff Mm -hmm. like that as something that is economically in our best interest. Yeah. Um, I just had a quick question about, um, have, can you speak to any of the like COVID variants? Are you seeing that pop up? Because it looks like I just read an article or I just saw an article that uh, two Brazil variants have shown up now in Calgary. Ooh. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, so there's actually someone on Reddit Ottawa who does this fantastic tracking for both Ottawa and Ontario. They go and track down these numbers every day of all of the variants and everything yeah. else. They're fantastic. I, I, it's great. I don't have to go to 17 sites because they yeah. do. Perfect. It's fantastic. Yeah. So we have not had any of the Brazil in Ottawa, but keep in mind these numbers. So the numbers on variants lag okay. by up to oh, a month oh. um, because, you know, you send your swab off for the PCR test um, and that does pick up COVID, but not the specific kind. And so it comes back positive or negative so that you know whether you have to isolate. But to actually figure out whether or not you have a variant, they have to do another process with it. And so all swabs go for that now. Oh. But um, it's just, it's something to just be mindful of that, like, Mm -hmm. these numbers are lower than they probably actually are because we just, we won't know for another few weeks to a month what the count was today. We uh, we don't really have much in the way of Brazil, two of the South African strains, and then 15 from the UK. Um, But in Ontario, there's 47 confirmed cases of the Brazil variant, uh, 50 confirmed cases of the South African variant. And almost 1,400 cases of the UK variants. So what is the danger in those variants? Is it that the vaccines wouldn't be um, as effective towards them? Or are the symptoms um, worse? So um, some of this is still things that people are learning. But um, the fear is that the vaccines will not be as effective. Because if if the wrong part of that spike protein mutates, then the vaccine... The vaccine basically trains your immune system to recognize that spike protein and uh-huh. kill it. And so if that spike protein changes too much, there's a risk that your uh, immune system isn't going to recognize it as the invader that it is when it, you know, saunters in. 
so there is that those variants are more contagious, which is the big mm-hmm. concern um, from like a, when you still have a large unvaccinated population. So a lot of potential for severe disease, um, having something that's more contagious is never a great time. Um, there have been some reports that certain variants cause more severe disease versus mild to moderate disease, which is again, concerning. Yeah, it's multifactorial, but that's largely where those concerns are is, will the vaccines actually cover them or not? Are they more contagious? And do they cause more people to get seriously ill or different people to get seriously ill? So, um, you know, original COVID, we know that it's really, really bad if you're an older person or if you have certain medical comorbidities, you're odd, you know, the likelihood that you are going to have serious illness is much higher. But, you know, if you have a variant that, you know, suddenly turns it into COVID, the Spanish influenza, that was all young people that got yeah, sick right. from Spanish influenza, right? And so that would be the other reason that people would be scared is if it suddenly started making a very different group yeah. and to date an untargeted group. So that's the thing. It's like, so are we, you know, a year from now, are we looking at everyone's vaccinated and, and it's it's not as severe or are we looking at, you know, a huge spike in these variant cases and, and we're in a whole different pickle yeah so right now it does look like um at least preliminary data that um oh some of at least the vaccines that are on the market right now from what i've seen so far do appear to have at least some efficacy for the variants so that's an important mm-hmm. piece because um, again what we need is for people to not to get seriously ill uh and so if we're avoiding serious disease that's yeah. great but it there is still like the the investigation still ongoing in terms of you know, how much coverage they offer and that kind of stuff. It's going to be something that that data is going to have to come out sort of as we have enough cases to really yeah, measure it. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I we'll hope check back in a year. I was going to say, I hope in this time next year, we're not like, and to celebrate our two year podcast anniversary, we're back with Jamie. Jamie, turns out you lied again. I know. We're still in lockdown. I, like I said, I said it in the first year, like, I trust the data of people who are smarter than me, who have met, spent many, many, many <laughs> yeah. years studying how these sorts of yeah. things work. Um, I still do. You know, we're all, I, I'm in it with yeah. you guys. I I would love nothing more than to not uh, be invited back next year, not because <laughs> you guys are not lovely, but because there is nothing for me to exactly. talk about. Yeah. That would be yeah. talk about something completely but. different. <laughs> Yes, um, I guess just in closing, do you have any advice for folks sort of like a year in, you know, we've talked about people struggling and being lonely and feeling isolated and can, I don't know, like, can you give some advice on ways that people can be coping? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think one of the big ones is just recognize that your feelings are valid and that they're, they're true and they're, you know, you're not being dramatic. You're not being crazy. Uh, this is tiring. Uh, and at times this is exhausting. Yeah. And whatever your feelings are, whether they are sadness, frustration, anger, uh, or if you're one of the people who are just like, I am so glad I don't have to see people all the time. This is great. Um, whatever your feelings are, you're allowed to have yeah. them. Um, and so give yourself permission to have those feelings and to just experience them for what they are. They are not wrong. You know, getting outside, especially now that the weather's finally mm-hmm. getting nicer, uh, Get outside into the fresh air every yeah. day. Um, we know that that's good for your mental health. We know that 
um, putting separation between you and the four walls you live in, especially if you're confined to home because of the lockdown. Yes. Or if you're in lockdown, we were for a long time. It's really important. Um, And even though it is not the same, trying to find ways to connect with those people you love and keeping an eye out on either the people you love or the people you live near. Um, I think the favorite story on kind of, I've, I'm a big follower of med, uh, like medical Twitter, oh. because A, it's hilarious. But also, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, but someone was told this like super sweet story about how their neighbor um, was getting out of the car and had a cake with her for some reason. And she dropped the cake and like burst into tears in like this big puddle of tears in front of the house. And she was watching this all unfold and felt so terrible that like the, you know, this person's husband, like their neighbor's husband brought them into the house and everything else and this sad cake all over the <laughs> ground. Um, but so they baked them another cake and brought Aww. it over and they found out that the reason she was so upset was that they were celebrating the birthday of a grandchild that these people had never been allowed to meet yet because of COVID. So they'd never been able to meet their grandchild and that like they were going to have a Zoom party and have cake oh my gosh. Like, from far away. <laughs> uh, and so they dropped the cake and that's, and so like, doing things like that like you know it was never about the cake but you know noticing when people aren't okay or noticing you know Mm -hmm. and reaching out to people when you can and coming up with fun ideas like you know we're gonna play dungeons and dragons from four thousand kilometers (laughs) apart uh with your eight-year-old niece or like whatever it is you're gonna do um looking for those fun opportunities and those interesting things like did you know disney sketch artists will teach you how to draw disney characters you can hire them for Zoom parties. Oh my god, oh, that's so cool! But yeah, like that kind of stuff. So, like, find those fun things because they're yeah, out there. Yeah. Those sorts of things have been big in terms of. I didn't realize how big they'd be because I sort of rolled my eyes at first. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's just another virtual thing. I don't yeah. want to do it. And then I did a couple of them and started to realize, like, no, actually, you know what? It's not the same, but it is better okay. than my initial in like impulse, which was to just reject. Yeah, them. yeah. My gosh, Jamie, we. Yeah are excited to talk to you we wish it was under better circumstances yeah but we just love that we got to reconnect with you mm-hmm. we didn't oh, even talk no. about my fair lady oh my god yeah and th- yeah that i was the only one not yeah. asked to sing i sang in the christmas video this year too um but i made all my co-residents sing with me and it turns out none of us can sing, so everybody lamented that that's that happened. incredible <laughs> that's too funny Awesome. Actually, no. One of one of my co-residents actually can sing and is quite musical. So the rest of us were just warbling off key and like making people cringe. And then they would come out with their lines, and we're like, "Okay, well, that's they put us to shame." Just humming in the background. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us again, and. Hopefully next yes. time we talk, it'll be over something not pandemic related. Totally. I, I have things not pandemic related that I also did not sign Ooh, up for. So yes. You let, you let okay. Know. Well, we'll leave it at that. We'll enjoy the rest of your night and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Michelle. Hey girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking the other day that I wish we had like a canned, like I'm Carling. And like then, like the office ladies? Yes, that's because I was listening to that. Or like I'm Jenna and I'm Angela. Yeah. We were on the office together. <laughs> Hear about the like, office. I'm Carling. I'm Michelle. We went to high school together. <laughs> and have a lot of trauma. 
<laughs> Each week, we recap um, our trauma with a guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, incredible. That, God, I love Jamie. I know. She's so great. She's it's so, so fun. funny that we went to high school together a yeah. hundred years ago. Oh, God. So many years and ago. And, like, thanks to Facebook, I don't know. Like, I don't know if we otherwise would have stayed connected because yeah. she, like, moved away and yeah. all these things. So... Thank you again, Jamie, for being on our podcast. There is something good about Facebook every once in a while. It's not just your crazy aunt saying not to wear a mask. (laughs) (laughs) It is true. It does help sort of bridge the gap of like not keeping in touch with people as regularly. But you still have this sense of like, yeah, I do know what's going on in your life. Totally. You know, to a degree. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that was really fun. And also, Jamie, thank you for trusting us. Like, yeah. we literally had no idea what we were doing when we recorded that first <laughs> so episode. True. And even she was like, yeah, I have a podcast mic in her for, in the first episode. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, we just had no idea. <laughs> so uh, it's we're super, so super. Appreci- yeah. 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 That was like 12 years ago, right? When we did mm-hmm. that first episode. Yeah. Yeah. 12 like. years ago. <laughs> well, Michelle, happy podcast anniversary. Aww. I didn't get you anything. I also didn't get you anything. Okay. Well, we're both terrible friends, so that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you guys, join us live tonight if you are listening to this on Tuesday, March 30th, um, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And I don't know. Thanks for listening. Have your questions ready and to ask our fabulous little guests that we're going to have. Yeah. We're excited. Yeah. Uh, So as always, you can find us on... Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and I did not sign up for this. And we're also on Patreon. Patreon. So if you're like, I can't get enough. I need juicier juices. Ew. (laughs) Ew. I'm sorry. If if you're thinking. Moist, moist stories. (laughs) Ew. If you need more moist stories, juicier stories, hotter tea. Nobody is going to sign up for this now. We are. They literally did not sign up for those sentences that just came out of my mouth. And I am so sorry. But check us out on Patreon. We have got over 27 bonus episodes, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are our own traumas or sort of like stories that people were like, this is too crazy for the main feed. Mm -hmm. I just want it on Patreon. Yeah, absolutely. And just also some random like true crime stuff that we did. Yeah. Yeah. So check us out. And we'll have more random stuff coming up. Yeah. 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 I want to review... Locked Up Abroad. Yes. Because nobody signed up for that. No. Well, I mean... yeah, debatable. Okay. I mean, yeah, we we'll... signed up to carry a backpack into <laughs> Thailand. Do. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> what was that movie with Claire Danes? Yes, yes, Broke Down Palace. Yes, that was such a good one. Based on a true story. Yes. They didn't sign up for that. Like, that was ladies. Come well, on. I don't know. Come on. All right, guys, enjoy your Tuesday. <laughs> enjoy your day. Thank you for still listening. Yes, and we love you. Just, I don't know, stay tuned. Be part of the next year with us. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye.